I just try to have some fun with this, okay? You right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, mask up, mate. Let's fuck this puppy. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I'm Greg. And we're back at HQ. Finally, ISO life is softened. Softened. Yeah. There are some exceptions for co-mingling yeah. within the home. Yeah. You're allowed to have two podcasters in one room. You are. But yeah. there are strict terms to that. It has to be to help someone in need. Uh huh. Or ISO fatigue or something to that effect. Wait, really? It's not just socially visiting. Yeah, but they've framed it as if you to uh, to help overcome isolation anxiety type. Ah. There's an actual list. May I say you have been using your ISO time well. This room has been <laughs> feng shui optimized significantly. It's been refangulated. I, I like so light. Shana Blaze would be so impressed. Oh god. <laughs> she would talk about the storage. Australian reality TV is uh, it's, it's stings, gone too far. Stings the nostrils. All these shows that should be on once a week are on like nine days per week uh, somehow. For two hours in some And they draw instances. this shit out. <sighs> that's, that's showbiz. Yeah. Uh, speaking of showbiz, mm. we're reviewing Two Hands, uh, the 1999 Australian classic. It is an Australian classic, it isn't it? It is an Aussie classic. Australian milestone in many ways. Big time. Yeah. I did want to start this episode with an apology. Uh-huh. What, what number of film are we up to? 65? I don't know. 65 or something. Yeah. It's taken us circa 65 films oh, yeah. to do an Aussie film. Yeah. Um, which is pretty bad. I think I mentioned the other week it's, it's probably also a byproduct of the, you know, the yeah. movies we watched growing up, right? Point Break is maybe the closest with Bells Beach and... And what's his name? <laughs> With one line, Peter yeah. Phelps. Yeah, and that was one episode ago. So we haven't. We really yeah, haven't. We've stepped it up a bit from there. <laughs> Maybe we aim to get like one in every in ten, or every sixty-five, every sixty-five, something like that. Mm. Um, and they might act as a nostalgia piece for our, you know, our local fifty percent. Yeah, brothers and sisters from Oz, and uh, potentially open up some new. Viewing experiences for our uh, international viewers that might have heard some of this. We want to take the international listeners on a journey of new film discoveries. Yes, yes, quite. We've only done one other movie in 1999. I think it was The the American Pie. The American Pie. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it it is interesting because it's, 1999 is weird for movies because it hasn't been long enough I think there's a lot of movies in 1999 that will seem outdated uh-huh. more than like something from 84. It's not a vintage exactly yet. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a vi- – it's a – It's like an awkward teen. Yeah. It's not dated enough to be, as you say, vintage. So it's still in that uh, cycle of the – it's in the out cycle of – Yeah. It's like, oh, cool. they're ill-fitting jeans. You know, it's, uh-huh. not, it's, not, yeah. uh, it's not point break where uh, Patrick Swayze was basically modelling the latest collection from basic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It's uh, there's a lot of cargo where, yeah, yeah, t-shirts with fake sports teams on them. <laughs> so 1999. Oh yeah, take us there, Greg. Now, given the uh, experiences we've had over the last month or so yeah. with panic buying, 
Oh, yeah. Specifically toilet paper. Yeah. It was a very, very popular item over the last six or so weeks. People couldn't get enough toilet paper. Oh, and now they have enough, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be all these, like, YouTube courses on things you can do with extra toilet paper. Mm -hmm. Mummy. The mummy game. (laughs) Mummy. (laughs) Dress up as a mummy. Toilet paper origami. Uh, Papier-mâché. Oh, that... With toilet paper? That's, that'd be many layers. I've done that, I think, as a Chad. Chad. <laughs> so um, why am I talking about panic buying? Well, because 1999 was the year that the Y2K bug was coming, the millennium bug. Oh, yeah. Now. That was, it was so similar because it, it's that same mentality of like, that's mentality. so silly. However, yeah, the <laughs> I should tin, be prepared. The tin foil hats were out in full force, anticipating a global crash, pretty much of all electronic goods. Now, I'll just quickly remind you what it was. It's a computer floor. Basically, the computer programs were first written in like the '60s, and engineers used a two-digit code for the year. Mm. So, six zero, for example, for the year 1960, mm. just as a means of making, you know, halving the. The input, you didn't need to have the two other numbers in there, so let's just do two numbers. Yeah. So then when it got to zero, zero, they thought it would wig out and, yeah. and the systems would be interrupted. I never, I think also because I was at the age and probably disengaged and I could never quite get my head around why that was such a big deal. There was a few, I'll just talk to very quickly a few of the areas that they thought might come crashing down. Banks was a big one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so they calculate interest rates on a daily basis. Oh, did it impact the the stock market and that kind of shit? Well, they anticipated it would. Yeah. It didn't. Okay. Um, airlines were put at risk. Oh, yeah. You know, others as well. There's others. Others. Many, many Software things. and hardware. Um, apparently there was a nuclear energy uh, facility in uh, Japan that apparently went on the blink a little bit. But right. as you probably have worked out, everything turned out fine. We made it. Oh, I will add my friend, a good friend of mine, Jeremy. He worked at Kmart during oh, yeah. uh, during the, the build up to the millennia. Sold a lot of torches. Sold a lot of torches, a lot of tin foods. Oh yeah, and a lot of um, like camp campfire <laughs> stoves, those little portable gas stoves. Oh wow, they were they were the they were the big ticket items, mostly canned food. It's so interesting. I wonder what I would have done had I been this age then, because with the with the panic buying, I I didn't panic buy. But I did get to a point where I was beginning to panic because a little you bit. Didn't, because you didn't have it. Yeah, because I got down to the last roll of toilet paper. I was like, fuck, I mean, I'm trying not to panic, but, you know, should I not have my coffee tomorrow morning to try and <laughs> <laughs> prolong <laughs> the inevitable? Yeah, it's a tricky one. And I also think there's a lot of, like if you, if you read the social medias, no one we know was panic buying, but they obviously were. You know, someone's out there buying all this shit. Yeah. There must be people we know. Potentially. I mean... The people I saw on the internet fighting over toilet paper, I definitely didn't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, people are weird. People are the waste. Uh-huh. Well, 1999, interesting year for, for torches and uh, camping stoves. Interesting year for movies too. Ah. You've got Deep Blue Sea. You've got Green Mile. You've got Blair Witch. You've got Bone Collector, 8-millimeter, oh, Bone, bone Collector. Galaxy Quest. Bowfinger. South Park. I'm just repeating for you. <laughs> I like all these movies. I, I like them too. Uh, American Pie, which we've covered, but the number one movie in uh, 1999 was Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Um, 
Sixth Sense, Toy Story 2, The ah. Matrix. Matrix is only number four. That's interesting. Number five, Tarzan, which has apparently been announced as getting a reboot. The Mummy, Notting Hill, The World is Not Enough. Mm. American Beauty at number nine. Number 10, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Now, nowhere to be found anywhere in in any chart globally, this particular picture that we're talking about today. But um, there was a little film in Australia that came in at number 41 by the name of Two Hands. Powderfinger was all over this joint. This movie has nothing to do with hands. <laughs> I was never a fan of Powderfinger. Oh, really? Yeah. You didn't like the finger? I didn't get it. I saw them live because I saw the Silverchair Powderfinger Mate. double act thing. I loved Silverchair. Powderfinger. They're, they've got some good songs, yeah. That's, I, these I, days is a great yeah, song. Yeah, it's a good song. They had a few songs in this movie, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the best one. That's the best one. I think it came out at this movie and I think the f- that the film clip the film was clip this movie. Is, yeah, yeah, the yeah, old yeah, filmy, right. clippy movie. Yep. They don't do that enough these days where the video <sighs> clip is, you know, like... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Exactly, exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> Can we do that soon? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. It's I mean, in front of the brain. It's spent dancing around my... Pre-cortal cortex. There's so many genius decisions in there beyond Brian Adams. Abdullah Ablongara. You know, Robin Hood with an American accent. It's what the world needed. <laughs> uh, some quick stats about this movie. came out in July 1999, budget of $4.4 uh-huh. $4 million, mm-hmm. with a gross of $5.5 million, Ooh. released only in Australia. To give some context to that, I said it came in at number 41, gross $5.5 million. The biggest movie that year was obviously Star Wars. That made $38 million. So in Australia, box office is quite small. Oh. So the biggest movie of the year made $38 million. What? 5.5 million. In, in Australia. In Australia. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. This only came out in Australia. And it came in at number 41, which seems quite low. I mean, it's a small movie, let's be fair, but it did beat a few more well-known movies. So, again, to give a bit of context. Yeah, give us the context. Beat, we appreciate it. <laughs> it beat End of Days, ah. Thomas Aquinas. Tell me everything you know about Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. It beat Go. Oh, yep. It beat Blue Streak. <laughs> Blue Streak. Oh, the Martin Lawrence. <laughs> Martin Lawrence. <sighs> and it beat the Mask of Zorro. Oh. <laughs> yeah. With Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, and Antonio Banderas. Oh, that's what I was looking for. So, yeah, that context, I think, makes you give a, a bit more credit to the success of this film. Very small movie. Um, it was quite well received, although not quite as well as I first thought. Uh, David and Margaret loved it. Um, which is the main thing, but yeah. Rotten Tomatoes critic score is sixty seven percent. Interesting. I mean, it won it won AFI awards. That's yep. that's our local Oscars. It I won, guess it won Hearts. It won Hearts and Minds and Minds and Wallets. No, there's many Wallets though. It won DVD shelves. Velcro Wallets. It won. <laughs> it won Velcro Wallets, and it won prime positioning in nineteen year old uh, DVD yeah. shelving. Yeah. Um, audience score of eighty percent. So much higher. Yeah. But again, hearts I would have thought, I would have thought, yeah, hearts and minds. You're exactly hearts right, hearts and minds. But what about you? Did you watch this when this came out? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I can't remember the first viewing. Memories of this are fond. It was you very. cinema? No. I can't remember. I don't think I saw it in cinema. Maybe. I was probably, I think. I'm in year 12 at this stage. Like, I'm in my, what do you call it? Like, my senior. It's my final year. Yeah. This was, uh, this was a big, a big movie. Yeah. Um, it was kind of the movie, the Aussie movie we were waiting for. Yes. 
Hundred percent. So we had so the nineties were strictly ballroom. Yes, Babe, Muriel's Wedding, Priscilla. um, It's the 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 era of the quirky little Aussie movie. Yeah, and and they're all terrific films. Yeah, but it wasn't what my pretentious teen angst heart desired. Totally, (laughs) totally. I was not interested in Australian movies, really. Yeah. Because yeah. they weren't delivering like edgy, cool, yeah, exactly, action type, yeah. And you know, you're, like and you're watching Lockstock, Lock yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're watching Lockstock at a mate's house, and you're like, yeah, it's fucking yeah, her. exactly. And then, but then this comes out, and you're like, oh, now we're talking, exactly. And then we had Chopper shortly after this. Yeah, it became a bit of a thing, and it, I, I couldn't remember the exact sequence of these things, but now looking into it, I'm like, okay, this was the first one. Yeah. It's pretty, and there was getting square, and yeah, was that the one that was before? There was one that was before. Idiot box. Ah, uh, idiot box. But which that was, was a bit edgy, like a bit too raw. It didn't quite land at the time, did it? Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn and yeah. So, so yeah, so it was a big deal at the time. Yeah, I had exactly, literally, exactly the same note. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't see it at cinema, so I would have seen this a couple of years later, probably two thousand, maybe, probably when it came out on DVD, because this is the perfect Venn diagram of film student Tristan crossing over with DVD era. Because mm. you know, you get to a mate's house and there's. Guaranteed three DVDs on his shelf at least, but the three that are guaranteed to be there is like Fight Club, Two Hands, maybe Eddie Murphy, Raw and Zoolander. So, you know, that kind yeah, of, it's yeah. a staple. It was a DVD yeah. staple. Yeah. It's the kind of thing where you have, uh, if you've had a few different roommates, you may have more than one copy somehow because yeah. it's just, <laughs> like I had three copies of Fight Club somehow. <laughs> did. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, it was, I had very little interest in Aussie movies for all the reasons you just said. And so when this came, I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, now we're fucking talking. Um, should I get into the origin story? Let's do the origin story. Origin story. Well, I think you, you, you set the right context there, Greg, because aside from Romper Stomper in 1992, yeah. Australian cinema was, oh, that's a quirky little picture, isn't it? Yeah. It's a bit quirky. Yeah. What an interesting bunch they are down there. Yeah, that's a you've got the ascension of Baz Luhrmann with Strictly Ballroom, ninety two or three. Yep. Muriel's wedding, Priscilla Quinn of the Desert ninety four, Babe in ninety five, Shine ninety six, The oh, Castle ninety seven, then of course the Wiggles movie also in ninety seven. So Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all yeah, not a lot of quirky little pictures there. But mm. but elsewhere You've got the likes of Tarantino's and Guy Ritchie's blowing up the indie scene and capturing the hearts and minds of young minds. Uh Yet there was no Australian response to this trend Mm. just yet. Babe 2, Pig in the City? Now we're talking. (laughs) Imagine if that was Babe 2, Pig in the City was more like the crack fox. (laughs) 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 Babe 2, Pig in the City, he's trying to make ends meet, does some things he really wishes he didn't have to remember. (laughs) Oh, the crack fox, how good. Uh, uh, but yeah, so this is the opposite of all those things in in many ways. So uh, enter Gregor Jordan, good name. This guy actually won Tropfest back in '95, back when it was still the Tropicana Film Festival at at, Trop- at Tropicana Cafe. Trop- at Tropicana Cafe. We'll get into more of that, I'm sure, a bit later. Because yeah. this whole film and that film festival was where Greg and I met back in the day That's right. in our old jobs as spoilers. <laughs> yeah. At a strip club. I was a stripper and Greg was a <laughs> um, So, yeah, he'd won Tropfest. And Tropfest, for those that don't know, biggest – well, it's on and off these days, but it's it's there's no bigger short film festival in the world. It's the biggest one. Yeah. Started in a small cafe down the street from where this film's uh, set. This guy won it in the early days of it, 1995. This was his first feature. Uh, he wrote it. He directed it. And at the time, 
he'd observed what we had observed. No one's telling the Australian version of these stories. Uh, and there's a lot to be told. So he there's plenty of crime here to work with. Exactly. There's plenty of crime. Hey, this country's built on crime. Yeah, we're a bunch of criminals. My great 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 grandfather probably saw a loaf of bread or something. Exactly. Yeah. Criminal mentality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he set himself up in an office in King's Cross mm-hmm. writing this movie. Gregor. Yeah. And kind of writing just what he saw out the window. Like he's looking out the main strip. He's seeing these characters. He's seeing, you know, the Aussie version of the mm. the Godfather in thongs. Yeah. And for the Americans, <laughs> we mean flip flops, not yeah. not not Godfathers in uh, yeah g strings walking yeah, around. No. But although King's Cross, there probably is that too. Yeah, and, and that's where it all started. And, and what he really wanted to focus on was capturing the Aussiness of it all. Now, our sort of cultural personality, if you like, is much more about playing things down and not being ostentatious and not you know being a poser in front of your mates kind of thing. And you know that that's in seen in the crime world as well so our gangsters aren't you know flashy criminals you know they even though they're very rich from organized crime they prefer to wear shorts and thongs and the thing is too you know they have normal lives like you know every other australian you know that's the thing that i always found funny and it's sort of you know because it's true so i'm sure we'll get into it but that is definitely like a major factor to this movie right the the aussie flavor applied to this dark and gritty gangster trend. One of the special things about this film. Absolutely. Now, meanwhile, a young man by the name of Heath Ledger. Yeah. Now, he had popped up here and there in some you know, television screens in various ways. Did you ever see that TV show Sweat? It was like, I think it was set, I don't mm. know if it was officially set in the Australian Institute of Sport, but it was these young athletes, like teens, and he was mm. a cyclist and there was a swimmer and that, that other guy's oh, in it. Vaguely. Yeah, yeah. It's, vaguely. Yeah. I've got a clip from it I'll play later because yeah, it's nice. very of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, why are you chucking a wobbly? It was very like. A <laughs> We're going to do home and away. Yeah. Away from the beach. Yeah. In a sports facility. Australians love sport. Exactly. Australians love home and away. Well, funny you say this. This is, I was thinking, Heath the Ledge and Rose Byrne, two of the only Aussie stars not to have been on Neighbours or Home and Away. Amazing. The other one was Raw, which was an American TV show. I think we technically had here, but it wasn't really a thing. I mean, I don't even know what it is. It kind of looked like setting oldie timesies and going nope. around, whatever. Who the fuck knows? Um, but that being an American show, he got American representation. Ah. He had an agent, which was big. It's so, not easy to get an agent, apparently. Apparently that's the hardest part, they say, in the US at least. Yeah. And so because of that, he, he was off to a flying start and he actually got cast in 10 Things I Had About You around the same time as this movie. This, they came out in the same year. So this 10 Things I Had About You, it explains the same weird haircut, which I never quite understood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is around the same time. And he was really, even at this point, really, really conscious. He's an artsy type, but he's a yeah. good-looking guy. So he was really conscious of not just being cast as good-looking guy. a good-looking guy. Um, and that's what drew him to this uh, picture. Ah. I, I thought I'd never get cast in. I thought I'd never have the opportunity to play a character like that because previously people were just looking at me and saying, oh, he's blonde hair, he's, you know, he's got a look, you know, we'll just give him that, that kid, that golden-haired kid role. And Gregor looked at me and he saw past that. And obviously that's just the tip of the iceberg because this is packed to the brim with great casting. We've got Rose Byrne and, and Brian Brown. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of those being massive icon already at this point. A big deal to get him in this movie, Brian mm-hmm. Brown. But Rose Byrne, her first picture, 
Amazing. Um, but I'll start with Brian Brown. So apparently he had a TV show in Australia at the time that I think was uh, like some anthology series of some sort. And Gregor had actually Gregor had actually um, directed one of those episodes that actually had Brian Brown in it, and they had some kind of relationship there. Where upon receiving this script, he was like, "Oh yeah, why bloody not?" <laughs> that was kind of his response. Mm, he could do Panda. Yeah, exactly. He's in. Although he talked about it a lot that he's like, Pando emerged once the costume was on. He's like, if I was wearing a suit, it would have been a different guy. But once I had the the thongs, oh, yeah, the stubbies, right. the, you know, Pando. That's who came out. Yeah. Rose Byrne, on the other hand, uh, no one ever heard of her. But she nailed it. And uh, you sent that sent me this post the other day that she just posted relatively recently. Yeah. Um, how she, you know, BYOing her own $20 polyester dress that she got from an op shop. Peroxiding her own hair in the sink at home. Uh, this is it was a pretty scrappy movie, which I think mm-hmm. I don't know if you can really tell as part of the aesthetic, but mm-hmm. it was scrappy, genuinely pretty scrappy. But yeah, she's in. She nailed it. She's fucking great in this. We'll talk about it more. Um, they made it. It did pretty well, more culturally and legacy wise than box office wise. But hey, you got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Should we get into the trailer? Yes. I got a new job. And uh, you could say I'm moving on. Yeah, what are you doing? Everyone's down in the fucking hold up! I'm, um... You open your drawer! Open your fucking drawer! All of you open your drawers! I'm waiting for a guy. Just doing odd jobs here and there. Right. Give me your keys! Go! Go! Was that you on that bank stand job today? Didn't know you could handle yourself so well. I got a lot of work coming up. I could use another set of hands. Well, I did see a chick called Sharon drop a big pile of cash up. How much? Ten grand. Then you come straight back here, all right? Yeah, no worries. It's okay, she'll be back. Just got to kill some time. Who's that fucking Jimmy? Wasn't he supposed to be here by now? You want me to find the prick or what? Did you see someone go through me stuff? Sorry? Someone stole me fucking stuff! Did you see someone go through it? I didn't see anything. Ah! Banner. No, I can't see where I am. I haven't got it. There are no two ways about this. If you don't find the 10 grand, he'll kill you. What's happened, Jimmy? One of the new guys. First day on the job and he rips me off 10 grand. Panda, he's after me. I mean, I've heard some bad stories about him. He's all right once you do it. Yeah, we're going to have to find a prick and do him. Why don't you just go away? What's stopping you? Give me a look at it. Unbelievable. This gun's filthy. Anyone got another gun? Still has a bit of that quirky little Aussie movie to it, doesn't it? Yeah, big time. The darker, grittier lens. Yes, yes. I mean, that that movie, uh, that trailer was quite visual, but it's not bad for a film that maybe some of us haven't seen in a while. They get a little collection of scenes there. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm sure I'm sure the listeners could use a bit of a plot synopsis here, Greg. What do you uh, reckon? I think it's a good idea, given mm. many won't have seen this film. Mm. So this is a classic boy goes swimming in undies. Yeah, boy gets robbed of mobsters' money. Tale. Yeah. Boy tries to outrun mob whilst making back that money, whilst winning the heart of a country girl in the big smoke mm. with her bright smile and SLR camera. Yeah, classic. Whilst overwatched by his brother's talking corpse, Jimmy drifts into a life of crime with no other clear options in sight. But when Jimmy's first job for local crime boss Pando goes very, very badly, 
Jimmy is forced to go further into the underworld to get free from the underworld. <laughs> Sometimes, Tristan, you Big must... up, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, Tristan, you must crawl into the darkness All right. to find the light. Further into the crevasse. Correct. But most of all, it is a love story between two of Aussie's brightest stars, the world at their feet, uh. their first stop on the monorail of fame and glory. <laughs> monorail, yeah. Uh, the monorail, me and Ara were like, is that the monorail? Yeah, all, all cabried up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was like that for ages because yeah. I feel like no one ever changed the advertising yeah. on it. So it's just like this weird cabri context. Yeah. Sydney used to have a monorail and boy, it put us on the map. <laughs> next, <laughs> next to Ogdenville? <laughs> yeah. And now we've gone full circle where they've cut up all the roads to to put trams back in. Uh, monorails were so futuristic at some point. They were so trendy. 80, 87. But then also I'm not quite sure what the problem was with monorails either. Like why is that not a good idea? I, uh, yeah. I never got it. I never caught one, yeah. I think I went on it once. As a kid going to the Powerhouse Museum or something. Yeah, like when it yeah. first opened or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the love story in this uh, – Electric, the chemistry, electric, I thought. Yeah. Because I, I do have a few problems with this movie, but they're all kind of on paper. They're all like, well, I don't really like these specific elements, but overall the package, I just, I just love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I think it's because of those two men. I mean, Brian Brown's awesome too, but there's like, there's, there's magic on the screen. And I think there's probably an element of, in terms of rewatching, there's an element of, Obviously, knowing not just the tragic nature of uh, Heath Ledger's future, but also just the the fact that these two became such huge stars, mm. it's really cool to see where it all started and seeing why, really, because yeah. it, it's yeah. just like there's presence. You know how like light up the screen, it's just Tristan. That X factor because they're not. It's not like there's technically anything I can point to. Or, oh, wasn't that an amazing? Mm. They're just. It's just there. Are you pointing to the X factor? I would call it the X factor because it cannot be defined. Yeah, the triple X factor. Yeah, yeah. Given it was in the cross. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely how done. how did you find the rewatch? Well, uh, I was I was a little worried in the beginning, to be honest. Yeah. Because I was yeah. well, the first opening. it looked so old. Yeah. This is weird because it's, aside from American Pie, this is the most recent movie we've done by a significant stretch. I mean, I'm sure we've done one for every year at this point, but not many. This looked like it was from the seventies which is not a bad thing necessarily, but I messaged you at the time and I said, did it look weird to you? Because I wasn't sure if Amazon was loading it properly. Yeah. It almost looked like the Gritty. frame rate was slow or something. It was weird. Yeah. There was like a weird thing going on. And I was like, what is, was this a stylistic choice? Maybe, Maybe. it was, I don't know. And then I, I think. Get Gregor on the blower. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's a lot in here that has become a bit of an Aussie movie. The irony is this was so fresh at the time, but I think since then a lot of this has become a, a little bit of a, Aussie movie or TV show trope with the likes of Underbelly and, yeah, and yeah. even Chopper and that kind of thing. Um, but then I adjusted and I got back in the mindset of, hey, this was the first one, yada, yada, yada. I mean, probably a lot of the Aussiness I think was still like exciting to see, especially because most of the movies I watch these days are movies for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. seeing a movie that's Aussie from the era that we cover, uh-huh. it's a different dimension of nostalgia that pops up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Uh, yeah, that's fairly. That's a fairly solid summation. Uh, yeah, the opening graphics. I was like, ooh, yeah. It looked like a 
a bad version of a John opening of a John Woo movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, it looks like it's like when did Fight Club come out? Because it also looked like a low budget uh, Fight Club yeah, opening. Yeah, yeah. Is that ninety eight maybe or I don't know or after I don't o- know. Oh one. Yeah. Remember. So yeah, I was a bit worried in the opening scene, and then it cut to the. It's got the his brother who is dead, but so he's not in the film per se. But he's just talking. Yeah. He's a for. He breaks the third wall or whatever you. The got. fourth wall. Third wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's running sideways into the. <laughs> yeah. So he sort of talks to Kenny like, "What is doing this guy?" And, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was one of the problems I had. I say, I'm not into the brother thing. Yeah, I think that should just be removed. I was hoping because I didn't like it then either. Yeah, but I thought you know I was young and stupid. Maybe I'll love this now. Like peas, we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things you don't like when you're a kid, like peas, you love them as an adult. Uh-huh. Like peas, but this yeah. was this is not peas, my friend. This is a cauliflower. I still didn't like it. Oh, you don't like cauliflower? Nah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so that was definitely one area. I, I was conscious of going in, but I was hoping I'd like it more. I just think it's, it. It's unnecessary. It, it's. I think that's my main thing. I'll just. I'll, I got a little suggestion on how they could fix that because you know I know better than them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Grigo. Hey, Grigo. I used to have a blockbuster card. Um, <laughs> I still have a blockbuster card. Mm, I know a thing or two about how you could have made this movie that you poured your heart and soul into. A little better. Um, I think it was just A, unnecessary. B, it just takes it from like this really grounded story, simple story in a good way, into this weird other dimension, quite literally, mm. of just like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh-huh. What are you doing? What? And apparently he had, it was a bigger part initially. Really? And it just kind of evolved in the process to being smaller. It wasn't like anyone told him to cut it. But it seems like it should have evolved a little bit more to just yeah. not be in it. <laughs> I like the idea of the brother of a brother being dead, though. Yeah, and then it works. Just don't make him a fucking zombie, man. Why did what? What, what happened on the train when he like touched him and he was like, ah? Exactly, because that's the point. It starts. Is he just to, waking up because he missed his stop. Well, this is that like a transformative? Moment? I think they're trying to imply that something there was some kind of because he's like, my work is done. I'm like, but what? yeah, exactly. The, so my. Give us your re. What do we call it? So I've got a soft re pitch just a for re-pitch. that. Just That's for it. that element. Cut him out. <laughs> Cut him out. No, but you need you need the brother element. I uh, think. Okay. Because especially that turning point where the guns to his head and he's like, oh, we did his brother just over yeah. Um But maybe you just make it. His brother's off doing a job. Brother's in jail. In jail. Or he's been told his brother's off doing a job elsewhere. It's 1999, not everyone has – it's not as easy to communicate. Oh, but he's dead. But he's actually dead. You could maybe just – because I also don't like how the movie opens anyway, so get rid of that. Yes. And open it with his brother doing a job and maybe it going badly, but it's ambiguous how that might end. You didn't like it opening on his dead brother underground digging up? Oh, yeah, that too. I meant more the – it's The flash forward. Well, this is one of my other issues with the movie – it's got every possible trend from the time in yeah, it, which yeah, is yeah, like yeah. the that that it, starting with the part where the gun's through his head and it's like, I bet you're wondering how I got here. You might as well have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a lockstock special, isn't it? Exactly. It's every movie. Oh, yeah, over the point. Edge, yeah. I mean, even Goodfellas, that's nineteen ninety though, so maybe they were one of the early uses of, of that trope. But the bet, the bet you wondered trope? Yeah. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> Da, 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 da. 
That's a old Italian music. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's amore. Um, but my yeah, so open with something with the brother. So there's it's left ambiguous how that ended, but then later it's resolved that oh he's dead and he's obviously not happy about it because it's his brother. Oh yes, unless yeah. so you can still have that unless, moment. Yes, unless wait he, for it. Oh yeah, the brother mm. was also. I'm going to have to come back to you. <laughs> well, I feel like that's how the movie does it. It's like, what if he was a zombie and then he's on the train? Wait for it. And then and then he wakes up. It's just I had, I'm not into it. I don't dig it. Now, I don't want to dwell too much on what I didn't like about this movie because there's a lot I liked about it. But just to get it out of the way, I touched on it already. There's a lot of every trend of 1999 packaged into one movie. There's the random hit-by-car thing. There's a lot of movies that have random hit-by-car around that time. Well, yes. It's a, it's a very common accident to happen. <laughs> it is. But there there was like this thing in movies. There's more than what I could remember, but there's Meet Joe Black. There, it's in Scary Movie. It's in Bean Girls. Of this thing where someone's on the road and the car just goes, <laughs> but it's always like non-plot related. It's just random. Is it? Does it happen in I Know What You Did Last Summer? Maybe. Yeah. Well, there you go. From a different perspective. I'd like to do that. And then obviously the the sort of intertwined story, hey, here's a bunch of random characters, but their stories are going to intersect in meaningful and interesting ways. Yes. Which is obviously Tarantino, Go, even Lantana, another Australian movie, was very much of that vibe. Lantana. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. Um, we talked about the, I bet you're wondering how I got here, uh, um, yep. opening. The the gritty, witty banter, hello, Guy Ritchie. Uh, again, I'm not saying this stuff is necessarily bad, but just very of the time. They even referenced the butterfly effect as a concept. Now, I can't blame them for that because it is a concept before that butterfly effect movie came out, but still of the era. Now, yeah, th- there's a lot of these, and I only picked up on this halfway through the rewatch, so I feel like there's more that I don't, I didn't pick up on. But there's a lot, and it's not to say that they're bad, but in terms of dating it, th- these are very trendy things. So it does definitely attach it to the time. It's not a timeless. <laughs> it's not a timeless thing. Yes, and it. Uh, you know, we've talked about it earlier, and definitely in other shows. Mm. In another ten years, that might be. Maybe maybe that'll that be, might part, of be part of its charm. Yeah, yeah, but at the yeah. moment, it's a bit no. And one one big trend. I think it was a trend because I feel like I used to like this about movies and, and about this movie specifically was just the plot being driven by random coincidences. There's so much random shit that happens in this movie that's just random, like too much. If, if any one of these things happened, that would be like, oh, okay, and everything changes. But there's so many random things that you take one out, the whole thing falls over. Like um, <clears throat> the bullet that doesn't work. Or the gun that doesn't work either. Yeah, the gun that doesn't work. The running away and then it starts raining, luckily. Oh, you could argue that is this the brother with divine intervention of some kind? I don't know. But there's so many other random things that have nothing to do with the brother randomly getting hit by a car. Uh-huh. The guy knocking himself out in the bank robbery. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> the bumper sticker thing where they ended up winning. and it, uh, There's so many just yeah, random there's coincidences. A few, there's a few uh, dead ends in those as well. Yeah. Like the you win $10,000, which is exactly about he needed. Yeah. So you think, where's this going? And then he just doesn't go anywhere. And, and it doesn't. It doesn't need to be that. Yeah. It's like 
it's it's like at the time there was this idea of like, decided. isn't it interesting that I think the idea was like, isn't it shocking? Oh, the kid got hit by a car randomly. Isn't that shocking? Oh, the bullet didn't. Oh, wow. I bet you didn't expect that. No, I didn't. But it also it's not it's not earned. It's just random. Yeah, and who cares if a kid gets hit by a car? <laughs> exactly. Come on, get off the road, you punk teenagers. That was still pretty. No, that was hardcore. hardcore. Uh, don't get me wrong; it affects you, but it, it just means like rather than like a very carefully orchestrated plot, they just insert these random things to make things happen. You know. Mm. Now I mm-hmm. do wonder whether this was intentional because obviously the the guy drawing on the money. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's graffitiing on the money and it comes back to him at the end of the movie. So it feels like part of this, the idea of this movie is that things, coincidences happen, but I don't think that's really the message of the movie. So it's just, I don't know. I feel like it's, there's too much. Did you find much, it a little muddy in that regard? There's just too much of that shit. Mm. Because Gregor talks about a lot of this movie being about the idea of two hands being, doing things with your own two hands, taking charge of your life. And doing uh, your own thing, which, yeah, fair enough. I can see that being the thing in the movie. I guess one could argue that random shit's always going to happen, which you can't control. Therefore, just control what you can, which is your own life. That's me being generous and trying to think of a way of uh, how that might work. But for my liking, there's too much random shit. I don't want to dwell on it because it's not a huge deal. But I did. It was a bit of an eye roll every time some random thing happened and I'm watching this movie. And I'm like, oh, you didn't need that. You don't need it. Were you yelling at the TV at this Yeah, point? I actually did. When the bank robbery, when the guy knocked himself out, I was like, come on, you don't. Uh. Yeah. But again, despite that, I like this movie. Good. So I think we've kind of touched on it, but just to round out the fashion of the film. There, I, yeah. From my, from my view, there's essentially two dress codes in this film. <laughs> One is the whole 90s sort of grunge piece that's going on. You know, like I mentioned, the sp- fake sport team shirts and cargo pants and a, yeah. probably a bit of mid-drift. Uh, and the other is Timeless Bogan. Yeah. And I remember at the time of watching this film originally, I found it a little jarring the the outfits of the gangsters because yeah. they are wearing uh, stubbies, like short shorts. And we were very shorts. influenced by American culture. Yeah, so that's right. So I think we weren't quite ready for that to be a thing. Yeah. It's a good point actually, yeah. So Christian, uh, Tristan mentioned earlier that the, the – the dress code of Brian Brown and the other gangsters was like short shorts, like stubbies, footy shorts, mm. um, thongs or jandals or pluggers or flip-flops. flip-flops, if you want to call them that, and like like polo shirts, short sleeve collared shirts. Or singlets, tank tops. Or singlets, yeah. Um, so that was the look. Uh, you know, they probably interchanged that with a flannel in a cooler month perhaps. Yeah. Um, still with stubbies. <laughs> still with stubbies, Absolutely. And that's – I think that has aged beautifully. I think they looked – Yeah, yeah. That hasn't dated at all because it was kind of a timeless thing. It yeah. wasn't on trend then. Yeah. So that that's interesting how the world that stood up. Um, did you uh, did you notice when the kids went on their shopping spree when they after they stole the money, the bags they had? No. All the shopping bags? What were they? Now, <laughs> it's a bit of a uh, oh, bit of a graveyard, a, a retail graveyard. Giordano's. <laughs> Is that still going? I don't think so. So let's just have a little. Are these okay? Are these shops still around? Surf, dive, and ski. Are they still going? No, I don't think so. Grace Brothers. Oh, what's well, now my? Oh, but I'm gonna. Yeah. Gowings. Whoa. Gowings. None of the shops are around anymore. Well, each of these shops were pretty iconic Australian stores. For yeah, big, yeah. Gowings was a one store, but it was 
sort of like in the centerpiece, center, middle of the city and it was four stories big. Yeah. High, I should say. Um, speaking of the city, I'm keen to talk about Sydney a bit. Yeah. And the depiction of. Would you say that. Go on. Sydney or even King's Cross might be a fourth main character of this movie. I think, I think that's a really interesting observation. <laughs> um, <laughs> King's Cross. Um, and, yeah, King's Cross is centre stage here. So one of the beauties of this film is it shows a different side to Sydney. So, And not unrealistic. Not unrealistic. Like this is the, the vibe of King's Cross is very much what you saw. And, like, going there as an 18-year-old or even as a 17-year-old, like – it's quite exciting and also just very edgy. Like, oh, that's be- yeah, it's crazy. The yeah. You see people crazy. getting fights everywhere. Everywhere. And, yeah. See people. Well, I never – did you ever get in a fight? Yeah. Really? I, I look back and I'm like, it's amazing. Not that I would start fights or want to get in a fight, but just by statistically, it's interesting that me and my friends never found ourselves in a fight. It is. My favourite King's Cross fight memory. In that scenario, yeah. That I was specifically involved in was – I got. I walked out of a club with a couple of mates, and these like punk rocker type dudes, all oh, with really? like punk you know, rocker. Yeah, wanna be punk rocker. Yeah, like cruising down, and they were like, "I think I must have been at work that day, so I was probably wearing like a sports coat, uh, like blazer type thing." And the guys like private school fuckwits or something, and I was like just drunk enough to think that I should engage. Yeah. So I chased this dude down, and he sort of comes at me, and we sort of grab each other. And start tussling, and he's got like <laughs> six mates with him. They're kind of all watching, and then this guy pulls out a fucking chain, like a big chain. He's carrying a big hey, chain. Oh, let's and go! Start smacking <laughs> me around the head with this chain. I'm picturing a guy reaching me down. His song's playing in the background. Yeah. Wow. What happened? So then, what what happened? Oh, we. Went in different directions. Went and got kebabs. Went and got kebabs. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> Did I tell you, I invented, um, uh, I went to the kebab shop there one night uh, yeah. quite late and yeah. I was like, hey, give me a kebab. But Stick some chicken wings in it? Almost, yeah. I think I've probably told you this story at the time. I was very proud. I was sending everyone photos. Say, like, hey, instead of the, the kebab meat, put a chicken schnitzel in there. The thing weighed like two kilos. It and it was like, oh, I don't know. It's, that's a big idea, man. And I was like, yeah, give me all the sauces. And um, eh. I ate about a quarter of it. <laughs> <laughs> Schnitzel wrap. Should we elaborate on that though? You said you came from work. So Greg and I used to work uh, at, a, at an agency just down the street. Yeah, 2006 was when I started, just down the street from the main strip of King's Cross. So we'd often end up on a Friday night up the street, have a few beers at work, go up, Candy's apartment, those kinds of places. Uh-huh. Well, there's a bunch of them. But Candy's apartment became a bit of a staple because of um, Hayden – DJing there like most Fridays and then Johnny DJing there quite a few times later on. That was, po- that was after you left. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. Dragonfly. Dragonfly was a big one. What were the other ones? I can't remember now. But uh, there was a bunch. Iguana bar. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it was basically, it was the spot. Well, it's not anymore because of the lockout laws, but it was. Um, yeah, they, they implement, implemented lockout laws because it got a bit out of, well, the, the view was it got out of hand, but then they basically just shut it down. So that it was quite a tragic Sequence of events, lots of businesses went out of business and it really just changed yeah. the, the so whole makeup. There was lots of fights up there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's Well, there always was because the the big naval base, Sydney's main naval base, Willamaloo, was just down the hill. Oh. So in in bygone eras, it was always the place where the Navy boys would ah. dock from internationally or locally 
And they just head up the cross, drink until they couldn't drink anymore, and punch on. Ah. And hit the hit the uh, red light. So it was also a very um, prominent zone for uh, sex workers. Yeah, which is important. Well, this is the thing. So working down the street from there, we saw some things, right? So we were on a a pretty well known street yeah. for prostitution. Well, with a particular uh, trans. It was the trans, trans community. It was the trans zone. Yeah, and so if you got to work really early, sometimes you would see some things that were quite confronting. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty interesting, man. Well, we were, we were on William Street, which is one of the main streets. So I, I thought, now we've talked a bit about how, uh, you know, seedy the cross was, but how there was a lot of uh, beauty in that seediness. And there's a yeah. famous poem I would like to share. Oh, wow. Bush by, Fever. It's similar to Bush <laughs> Fever. It's, it's got the same title, different connotation. Yeah. <laughs> Tristan, you'll be familiar with Australian poet legend. Maybe this could be Kenneth a tattoo Slesser. idea. Oh, sorry, yeah. Kenneth Slesser? Yeah. No. Um, you don't know Kenneth Slesser? Interesting. Yeah. He's uh, he's pretty epic. He's one of our esteemed poets. Right. Uh, I don't know man, I don't know many poets. I had to study him at school. Look, I'm not gonna let's let's be honest. The only poets I studied at school was the uh Far out Brussels sprout guy, whoever. <laughs> Rodney Root? <laughs> whoever wrote, no, there was that book and it yeah, was like. Unreal Banana Peel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, a, I got well, it, it on like sequential Christmases. Yeah. I got that book. It was like Far Side for Kids. Yeah, yeah, Gary yeah. Larson and they were just like, kids. Artie, Artie Farty through a party. No. Was like that kind of stuff. Yeah. There were all these, and I was like, oh, isn't that so funny? Oh. <laughs> and it was good, clean humor. That would for a still child. work. Bruce would love that. We should find it. It must exist. Well, it's similar work to Slesser. We're Aussieing out hard on this I know, episode. No, this is yeah. good. I said blower before when I meant the phone. Oh, wow. Uh, so I'm going to read uh, a poem entitled William Street. Um, oh, wow. Now, I couldn't, now, this would have been written uh, well before our cross years. Yeah. But that place is, as I said, with the, with the naval base and, you know, it's inner city location. It's long held a, a similar role in, in the yeah. city's fabric. Yeah. Ah, uh, William Street. The red globe of light, the liquor green, the pulsing arrows and the running fire spilt on the stones go deeper than a stream. You find this ugly, I find this lovely. Ghost trousers like the dangle of hung men in pawn shop windows bumping knee by knee, but none inside to suffer or condemn. Huh. You find this ugly, I find this lovely. Huh. Smells rich and rasping, smoke and fat and fish and puffs of paraffin that crimp the nose, of grease that blesses onions with a hiss. I assume he's talking about kebabs there. Uh, yeah. You find this ugly, I find it lovely. The dips and moles with flip and shiny gaze, death at their elbows, hungers at their heels, ranging the pavements of their pasturage. You find this ugly, I find this lovely. That's great. It's good, isn't it? It's a good poem. And that's just on point. That is exactly it. And this was written, I'll get a year for this. William Street was written in 1940 or something like that. Right. So it's a long time ago, sort of World World War II era. Yeah, shit. And he even talks about a version of a version of kebabs by the sounds of it. Yeah. But that was the kebab store there was pretty iconic under the coke yeah. sign. Yeah. And I think some of the meat we ate from there was from 1944. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. There was like, no one had ever bought the schnitzel from there before. They're like, uh, what are you doing, man? You don't want that. He's like, just crumb a rat. It's been there since 1942. Oh. <laughs> Kenneth Slesser refers to it in his, in his famous poem, William Street. <laughs> it's purely decorative. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, the cross, iconic. And they, they shot genuinely in the cross. Now, I mentioned briefly this was a fresh movie at the time, but there were – it became a bit of a flavour of the month, the underbelly of Australia um, mm. in terms of cinema and TV shows. There was obviously the movie Chopper, which I, I, still, I think is a good movie. I loved it at that time. Yeah, well, I lo- yeah haven't seen it for, I haven't seen it for a while, but I think it's, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. Eric like Banner. Really good. Eric Banner, man, she – so good. But, um, and then there was a TV show literally called Underbelly, which I always thought – was just not. It was just ugh. the first one. The first one I kind of the first liked. one was an event. The first one I kind of liked, but then it just became like so. Yeah, they cut the straws. I, ne- I didn't actually see the. King's and it was like, one. aren't we gritty? Aren't yeah. we? Uh. This well, is it, the camera angle. With yeah, and they'd have they have a voiceover that talks like this, and then there'll be shaky cameras and like these really yeah 1995 video editing special effects to make it gritty. Like the story is gritty enough. You don't have to add those things. Yeah. Tell the story. Just it's tell a gritty the story. story. The That's story is interesting. It. And I'll try and yeah. – I even – because they're all on stand and I tried to watch them recently because I find – I think that story, I want to know about that story yeah. and I can't sit through all that bullshit that yeah. they play over the top. It's just ugh. Which one did you try and watch? Um, there's a few on there. There's one that's like – I think it's the um, – oh, what's the family in Melbourne? Morant? Yeah, I think it, it's a spinoff of that. Wait, is it the Morant? Might be. Uh, yeah. It's just, a lot of the characters that were in the first one were in it and I was like, oh, I want to watch this. And it's just too much of that shit. That's what I was talking to you before with a bit of the – a bit like Pulp Fiction where it's like because of the copycats, even though that was the first one and it's great, it does start to chip away yeah, at the charm yeah, of it. Yeah. Like um, I was thinking it's a bit like your KFC thing. We both love KFC but then you have a bad one and it kind of ruins. And then you got, you're off you're on the sidelines for a while. Yeah, yeah. So there was a bit of that and this for me. But I think what speaks volumes about it is the underbelly – series that was based in King's Cross. They shot all that at Lane Cove. <laughs> well, they? Most of it. Yeah, they, they set up that Longerville Road or whatever it's that yeah, main yeah, street yeah, yeah. as being like a 1990s I didn't um, know that. King's Cross. Whereas this, they shot in King's Cross. Yeah. Um, and, so. you know, I'd go so far as to say it's the main character in the movie. Oh, big time. <laughs> at least a co-star. I was actually quite terrified of, you know, the concept of, you know, filming right in that main drag of the cross at night. Um, and I thought it would be a real... Ordeal. People of King's Cross um, really, I, I think they really liked, you know, the fact that a movie was being made about them, you know, that didn't take one side or the other, that just kind of, you know, showed the place f- for what it is. What about filming on the streets of the Cross? Uh, that was fun. That was <laughs> that was good because I play a spruik. I play the guy outside the club, and actually, I remember. Um, We'd uh, we'd set up, we created our own club, our own strip club on the uh, strip there, like in amongst all the other clubs. And I had a few practice runs before we actually rolled the camera. I was just playing around. I got a few people to give me five bucks and walk in the door. But then, you know, the guys, the other spooks along the street were giving me hints. Like I'd be standing there and Gregor would yell, okay, camera rolling. And I was standing there with my hands in my pockets and then cameras are rolling and you hear this whoosh, whoosh. I look up and there's this spruik over the road and he's like he says, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like oh, alright and I was like what do I do 
And he goes, put them on and get back. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I put my hands behind my back. <laughs> so good. That's awesome. So King's Cross is obviously centre stage. There's a couple of other iconic things to, you know, recount. Yeah. So, you know, the harbour has been replaced by King's Cross. The Opera House is replaced by the Star Hotel. Ah, yeah. And the Harbour Bridge is replaced by the monorail. Yeah. yeah. So the lo- They're all low-key VPs of Sydney. Aren't they? Like the Star <laughs> Hotel, for context, is in Chinatown. It's a shit joint. It's still it is sh- so interesting when he's like, oh, I don't even meet there. Yeah. Like, like you've, it's sort it doesn't of, sound like he's close to there. Like you can yeah, go why anywhere. would you go to the Star Hotel? <laughs> I lolled when, I, when he said that. Because that's where we've house. got film rights to shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the cheapest part yeah. in Sydney. But it's two doors up from a really famous Chinese restaurant, Golden Century. Oh, yeah, of course. And Golden Century is, a, is, is to Chinese dining what King's Cross is to Sydney in that yeah. it's a melting pot of gangsters and socialites and chefs and, and drunk people at three a.m. Drunk people at three a.m. Yeah. Like it's a it's yeah. a very special place. Um, and Star Hotels like two doors up, so you'd quite often meet there for a couple of screeners yeah. before or after. <laughs> hey Tristan, yeah. um, before we get it, talk a little bit more about uh, some of the actors. Mm. When, what was the oldest age you were when you went swimming in your undies? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. Four, six. <laughs> Oh, well, drunken. Yeah. Drunk doesn't count, right? Drunk doesn't count. Yeah, 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 yeah. Middle of the day Bondi type thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I thought about that. I was like, you know what? The the not being able to resist a quick dip in Bondi, that's aged well because that's how can yeah, you resist? Yeah, yeah. I still wouldn't do that though. Yeah. <laughs> and th- as we talked about this, I know we said not drunk, but I was just like, shit, I had a swim in my undies like two Christmases ago. Drunk? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Went, I've done a drunk please. <laughs> we were, it was middle of the day though. Oh, we were we went for a we do like an annual um, guys lunch with my brothers and a big group of us. Oh, uh, um, yeah, brothers mates. You weren't wearing white undies, were you? Uh no, I don't okay. really have many white undies. No, neither do I. Um, too much margin for error. <laughs> yeah, All my undies are brown. <laughs> <laughs> After you wear them, yeah. <laughs> Start off white, um, <laughs> but yeah, like six of us after lunch went for a quick dip before we went on to the pub. Yeah, right. It was pretty lol. <laughs> and you were like in a, such a different zone to everyone else yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We're having a good time there. <laughs> I think people were, responded very well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've touched on the cast. I feel like we need to really give them their due here. We got we got some we got three heavy hitters here and a few other yep. notables. Um, I think we should start with our Heath. Yeah. Heath the Ledge. As I said, this was a rapid ascension. This kid was 19 yeah. in this movie and in 10 Things I Had About You. These movies came out the same year. Yeah. The very next year, The um, the Patriot came out. Yeah. It's all happening very quickly. There's all these – I've – to be honest, like I, like I alluded to before, like I was not a huge Heath Ledger fan until the later days, which to be honest, like Dark Knight was a big – Thing for me, I was like, "Oh mm. fuck, yeah, fuck a, what a, a performance! Flawless, like, so good. flawless performance." Because at the t- I loved this movie. There wasn't a lot that he'd done that I loved, loved. And then uh, Imaginary Owner with Doctor Parnassus came out too after he passed away, and I was like, "Fuck, okay, that's pretty good." And then I started to realize, "Oh, this guy was an interesting. He's shit. an interesting guy." Yeah, I was a bit like, "I've not really appreciated Heath Ledger enough." Uh-huh. Like, fuck. So this kid, nineteen years old, man. He was in those TV shows, and actually, to give you, since we're going so Aussie in this, I thought this. I was I was looking up that show Sweat. So he was in this show Sweat as a teenager. That was like his first 
relatively big thing. Uh-huh. And I was watching this clip and I'm like, this is the this is the Aussie low budget Aussie TV that level of bets. I don't know how else to explain it. I'll just play the clip. It's just great. <laughs> did, someone say, did you say someone said Chuck it off? wobbly. Uh, rack off? Rack off was a big one. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Snow, your attitude's gone through the floor in these last few days. You've got a problem? If you don't sort yourself out, mate, you're going to let us all down. Maybe it'd be better if I just got out of everyone's way. Here we go. Why don't you chuck another wobbly? I'm not <laughs> chucking a wobbliest. I'm chucking a wobbly. <laughs> I'm not chucking a wobbly. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. There's all these like weird teen drama slang that yeah. no one actually well, said. They're, yeah, they're, like rack off. Rack that off was a, was a big, big one. Heartbreak uh, highway. Rack off. Rack off. And, but then there was like, um, uh, what's the Degrassi? Mm. The first generation Degrassi, yeah, yeah, yeah. not the Drake shit. First generation Degrassi. Uh-huh. Like your broomhead. <laughs> broomhead was a massive one. Do you reckon that could have been a, a pickup line in Degrassi? Are you a broomhead? Because well, no. you, you swept me off my feet. <laughs> the one I always remember. That was good. That was good. The one I always remember from Degrassi. Fuck, that should be a, if we do a TV show special. That shaped me, man. I watched that every day. Yeah. Do you um, remember all the lyrics to the Zip, the Zip Remedies? Remedies? Everybody wants something. They'll never, never give up. up. Everybody, Everybody wants something. They'll, they'll take your Monday and never give. Is it take Monday? Never, I always, I always oh. thought it was all wait till Monday. Oh, I don't know. See, this, this might be a Nelson Mandela situation. Yeah, <laughs> what's, it's, what's the thing? It's a Nelson <laughs> Mandela. <thing. laughs> okay. <laughs> the point I was trying to get to, but I, I oh, it was too exciting. I had to show that clip. The point was, this kid, man, he left high school really early. He was going all in on acting. Kid from yeah. Perth. Yeah, 16, I think he left school just to be an actor. Yeah. An and actor. I think I think he sat exams early. I couldn't quite get a clear point on that. He was 16. He was casting this at 19. But before that, he was doing Sweat. He did that TV show called Raw. And then went like, it was rapid, man. Run. Those two movies in the 99, The Patriot 2000, A Knight's Tale 2001, Lords of Dogtown, 2005. Broke Mountain, 2005. The Dark Knight, 2008. Imaginary with Why can't Dark I Masters, quit you? Yeah, there you go. I never saw it. I haven't seen it. But anyway, um, Rapid Ascension, this guy, and he moved to the US quite early and then ironically his first his first gig was back in Sydney. They got a little clip of him in the early days talking about the US. We're always like a big advertisement for me, you know. It, the iron was hot in America so I thought I'd pack up and go over there and strike and... Give it a go. And after a while, I was there for about 10 months. And it took a while and um, it just came through, you know, persistence and um, picking the right jobs uh, and not going in on everything that I read. You know, just being very careful about it. Apparently, apparently that was a big part of it. He did legitimately say no to a lot of things. Wow. Because after 10 things, they were like, hey, we've got a new teen half yeah, yeah, right yeah. here. Yeah. And he just said no to a lot of things. Let the greats know how to pick them. Yeah, yeah. Especially in those formative years yeah. where you're, you know, you're right, building your identity. Well, and he was so young that he, on the Patriots specifically, he was like wanted to quit. He was like, I need to get out of here. I'm not good enough. He's, he's, he didn't – he's like – the Patriot, Mel? Yeah, Mel Gibson was his dad. Yeah. And he was that's freaking quite, out. That's quite – It's a uh, huge scale movie. Like you go from quite two symbolic. Hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He opened the door. The passing of the baton. Yeah, passing of the baton. And I think he became on set at least a bit of a mentor in that – Scenario because he was he was legit freaking out. He he was calling his agent like I need to get out of this movie. I can't do it. 
I'm not, I'm not good enough. Bullshit. Yeah, because he didn't do any acting school. It's all his own vibe. I was thinking like craft-wise, he obviously didn't need it, but maybe there's other things they teach you in acting school like how to you know, stay positive. Or He probably was freaking out having no go-to systems or whatever well, you use. It's also quite an a, as you say, it was quite a uh, steep ascent. Yeah. The scale of doing shooting two hands on the strip of King's Cross pretty scrappily to like big set pieces for yeah, for a period dr- drama. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had to have a wear a hat. And a stuff. wig wig and a hat. <laughs> wig and a hat. Like it's layers. And he had a he had a, a bayonet. He did have a bayonet. Um, Am I shooting? Am I stabbing? <laughs> Am I stabby shooting? <laughs> stab, stab, shoot, 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 stab. <laughs> Um, he, he'd freak out and apparently his agent was saying basically every movie he would have the same conversation of him trying to get out of it. He just thought he wasn't good enough. I can empathise. I can too. Because when I used to make the finals in swimming when I was like eight, oh, yeah. I would also try and pull out. Really? Yeah. I'd imposter, what was your? Imposter syndrome. Paul McCartney says he has imposter syndrome. So yeah. Michael Douglas like, apparently used to throw up. When yeah. he did theatre, he'd throw up before performances people, pretty much standard. I think there's a Mick Jagger one. Is that people say, do you still get nervous? Do you? It's like, man, if I didn't get nervous, it would mean I didn't care. Yeah, I love that shit. So, again, I think there's something interesting in the fact that he didn't do acting classes and that kind of thing where maybe there are techniques to help you manage that in that mm-hmm. scenario and he just like was overwhelmed. But um, rapid, rapid, rapid ascension. And like we were saying – Especially with so many fucking jokers since, man. And um, you know what was next? What was next? Yeah, what he did was we so miss young. out on? What did oh, we, well, what was he was twenty eight like or 29? twenty nine. He was a twenty seven club, I think. I think you, yeah, or, yeah, or maybe, maybe twenty eight. But yeah. um, but yeah, well, that's the thing too because I only hit the highlights there. He did a few duds. He did quite a few duds of movies, and so it did feel like he was hitting his stride. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah. okay, Brokeback Mountain, this. And but it's like he, it was he like, could have kept going for fifty years, man. Could have been one of the greats for sure. Or in Kirk Douglas's. Yeah. Another 200 years. Speaking of one of the greats, Brian Brown. Oh, man. Love Brian Brown. Brian Brown, I have loved since I was a kid. Really? I think because he was of like Cocktail? My, it must have been. Yeah. But I must have seen him in other stuff. Like, he's one of, was not kind of the thing I probably would have cared about when I was a kid. Yeah. I think he was like my Aussie Tom Selleck, though. Like he right. was like my Your uncle. Aussie male archetype. Yeah, yeah, And he reminded yeah. me a bit of my granddad, like a younger version. Yeah, there's a bit my, of my a granddad vibe was, there. He's yeah. quite young. Yeah. I, I always sort of, I always thought I knew him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't. Um, he's so down to earth. Yeah. Like, he's one of the only, well, at first he's one, of, he's one of the first Aussie actors over there. Yeah. He's one of those rare Aussie actors that pretty much everything he's been in overseas, he still has his Aussie accent. Yeah. So that's quite cool. And I feel like that's probably one of his terms. Don't you reckon it's like, ah, oh, fuck that. Oh, fucking. <laughs> he's, oh, he's so probably ugly. saying, this is my, this <laughs> yeah, is my this American is. accent. <laughs> well, he did a lot of theatre in London. I don't, I don't know if you had a chance to listen. To, I sent you a podcast, uh, yeah, ABC yeah, Conversations. Yeah. They just, it's just a conversation with Brian Brown on his life. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. He, he, he grew up, he was a very working class family from Bankstown area, uh, single mum, raising the kids, and he was right. super smart. And he was sort of just talks about in, the, in that in that podcast how he just walked through high school. Right. I knew what teachers wanted. <laughs> it goes on to say, and you know, I, I was I was fine to give it to them. So turned down a scholarship at uni. Fuck. Got a got into Fuck. an actuarial 
program Shit. to be an actuary. You were studying to be an actuary wow. at AMP. And he became an actor. And then became type. an actor. <laughs> so he maybe he it's had, like I like this, but less syllables. Now we're talking. Correct. I think there might have been some. Uh, what's the thing that we have? Dyslexia. Anyway, it's a great it's a great listen if you if you uh, have the time. He's a he's a pretty. He's dude. such an interesting dude, and I remember. I want to get him on the show, and I feel there are a couple of, couple of avenues we can pursue. Oh yeah, his daughter's good mates with a bunch of my friends, right? And he lives in Balmain, so well, we, just door, we can just door VBs. knock in Balmain until yeah. we find him. We'll just walk down the street, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, <laughs> ding some VBs together. He might come. He might like. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like two B, VBs choosing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? One thing that made me sit up and notice with him, because I hadn't seen Cocktail, and actually I don't know if I've seen Cocktail ever, but <laughs> wow. we're going to do that. Yeah, we're due for a while. Um, I remember watching, I think, maybe the AFI Awards or the Logies or something wow. in my film student days. Um, I always do air quotes because I was not a film student. Mm. I just thought I was. Um, <laughs> and Aren't he said something I, because film? he's doing all these American movies. And he, but he's doing a lot of Australian movies, and he did this speech, which at the time felt like a bit of a dig to the likes of Russell Crowe, which was, you know, these actors they go over to Hollywood, but you need to support the local uh, film industry and yeah. yada yada yada. And he always has so respect to the guy. Yeah. He's gone over. He and he still does American movies when he wants to. He was in Along Came Polly. Is it? He's yeah. great in Along Came yeah. Polly. Yeah. So like he plays Richard Branson. He can. He chooses. He chooses to support the Australian film industry, which I think is really fucking cool. Yeah. Respect to the guy. Yeah. And Heath Ledger was doing a bit of that too because he did come back and do uh, Ned Kelly, same director as this movie, so Gregor was was doing that. Uh-huh. But anyway, it's great that he does that. Um, bit of a fucking legend. We'll probably even – Well, yeah, we'll talk. I think when we do, when we do Cocktail, cocktail we can, we'll have him on the show. There's a, that's a good goal. Campaign 2001. Campaign 2001, I like that. But we have to – Talk if we're going to round out cast, we've got to talk about Rose Byrne. Uh, well, I she grew up in Balmain, did she? Which is where we, well, that's what I understand. Yeah. Um, nice. which is where Brian Brown lives, right? For those uh 50 percenters, which is a neighboring suburb of where I grew up, yeah. So Rose Byrne went to the local high school of the area I grew up, so um. That's as close as I ever came to her. She <laughs> yeah. was the year above a bunch of my mates, two years above us, me. Yeah. And uh, one of my mates' claims to fame is, yeah, she told her friend that she thought I was cute. <laughs> <laughs> and he still uses that line. She's, she's, she's carved a great niche. She's done the reverse Romano. The reverse Romano. Yeah. yeah. She's starting as a serious actor and she's found this, not that she only does comedies now, but she's found this niche of being fucking hilarious. Yeah. She's... There's She's not many awesome. actors that have uh, maybe Alec Baldwin or something. That, what was there's, it? there's not many actors that have done the reverses. Yeah, was her big one? Was her first big one? Forgetting, not forgetting, Sarah Marshall. Get, get it to the get, get it to, to the Greek. Greek. That's she, so funny. And I was watching clips of that today because I was trying to find a good one to put in. She's all in on that. But role. It's, there's no singular clip. It's just an overall thing, but Talking she's so my asshole. <laughs> That's the part that I was. She's so funny, man. And yeah. there's a clip of her auditioning in that, which is great. She's. Fucking hilarious. And then Bridesmaids and then Neighbours or Bad Neighbours, depending where you live. And um, and what I love about that, it's coming circling all the way back to Brian Brown, is she's paved the way of the Australian actor doing an Australian accent in movies and it not even being a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like because it's Neighbours and – Yeah, and it's started to become a thing now. There's like there's there's more and more as the accent. Eric Banner does it in um, Funny People. 
Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So the token Aussie. There can be Australians. Yeah, they exist. We exist. Represent us. <laughs> hey, um, uh, one actor worth giving a big shout out to as well as Tom, Tom Long. Long. I loved I, – that's the only other name I had too. Yeah. I loved Tom Long. He was in lots of stuff. Yeah. Lot, he was everywhere. And I always thought a bit like a – there's a lot of actors we talk about like Brad Renfro where you're like, oh, I guess he, he wasn't a child star but being Australian, you're like – he could go overseas or he could be – Yeah, he, he was, was really cool and yeah. I really liked him in everything he was in. He was the guy in this drawing on the money and – He's terrific um, in this. He had a great career and all that, he's like Aussie stuff, but, yeah, passed away this year. This year, beginning of the year. Man. I I I remember I saw the news report and I was like, what? Yeah. He had cancer and – So he had cancer and then apparently he was cancer-free or something and then he passed away from – Encephalitis, which is Swelling inflammation of the brain. Of the brain. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting you wrote that down because he was a big deal to me. Yeah. And in this sea movie change. came out as well. He's in Sea Change. And in this movie as well, like as when I first watched it as a kid, he really captured my attention as like, oh, that guy, he's interesting. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, I, and I'd kind of forgotten about him, especially living overseas and stuff because you don't watch as yeah. much Aussie stuff. And then coming back, yeah, poor guy. He was fucking good. Maybe a low key MVP in there. Yeah, I got him as low key. Do you? I have an alternate low key. I I don't have any recasties. Neither do I. It's, I felt like it wasn't. It's wasn't when, a thing yeah, for this. exactly. It's. I think it's hard to do recasties when it's this early kind of role for someone. And it being Aussie probably limits it a little bit yeah. too. Do you have to recast? Aussie? I'd have to go and watch him away for a couple of weeks. And <laughs> Whoever is bugging Mr. Fisher recently. <laughs> Whoever's <laughs> trying to break out of Alps, Alps Rape Dungeon. Anyway, that's a oh, complete other it thing. Is, it is. Let's, Let's get into the, the verdict. verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. So a lot of our double impact tests do not pass. Yeah. So let's get through those real quick. Porn sure. parody, I don't think that is. Porn parody. So what I'd like to do, if, if there isn't one, <laughs> is make one. <laughs> so the low-hanging fruit here is... Two hands doing this? Two fists. Oh, okay. It went much further than what I was doing. Yeah. I was putting one finger in the yeah. circle. No, no, I just thought, <laughs> yeah, done. Set in King's Cross. It's easy. It's already that's triple right. X, baby. That's right. that's right. Bechdel test, unfortunately, no. I think so. I didn't say it. Simpsons, unfortunately not. Yeah. Special effects, kind of redundant for this one. Um did you do a six degrees of Van Damme? I did. Oh, okay. You go first. You? No, you've got some trick, don't you? I, I found a hack. So okay, I'm only going to use it for this film because it's as good as uh, Indispensables. We should explain it because we've only done it a couple of times so The opposite far. of the Indispensables. But one of our tests, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme being our lord and deity, we thought any film of significance should be within six degrees of separation from Jean-Claude Van Damme. So every episode we try and make that connection and get it as short as possible. So what's your? Brian Brown. Yep. Did Cocktail with Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. who did Rain Man with Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman was also a voice in Kung Fu Panda 2, in which Van Damme. Oh, that's not bad. 
I think mine might be the oh. same degrees. Oh yeah, or shorter. So I've got two two people in between the. the oh, the I've foot. got I've got two people in between too. Oh, how did you go? Okay, so I've got Gregor Jordan, the oh, director. Yes, yes. He directed a movie called Unthinkable with Samuel Jackson. Yes. Samuel Jackson was in Infinity War and Endgame with Dave Bautista. And Bautista was in Kickboxer Vengeance with JCVD. Oh, nice. So that's, two, that's Sam Jackson Same. and Bautista. I like. I like that we both took very creative roots there. We did. I don't think that's a hack. That's fair. I know, but if you look at the cast of Oh, it's Humphrey got everyone. Too, it's, a it's, got about, it's got about a dozen. Right, from different from, circles. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But we both did pretty well, I would say. I'll would give say. us both a yeah, yeah, big ding, success ding. there. <laughs> um, Overall, I guess, closing thoughts from me on this one. I say it's a fucking iconic movie. I know I there was a few things I complained about, and I guess if you're looking at volume of airtime there, there was a, <laughs> I probably spent a bit of time talking about it, but yeah, that's because yeah. there were specific things. Yeah, yeah it does, you it off your chest. It's not an accurate reflection of my this, feelings. This podcast is for you too, Tristan. Hey, that's right. I've got to get off my chest. This is my therapy. Now, I enjoyed the movie. Those things annoyed me, but I they didn't ruin the movie for me. I still love this movie. For all the reasons we already said, it launched two massive careers. It depicts Aussie culture in a way we hadn't seen before and really haven't seen as much as we should since. And I don't mean crime. I just mean just normal. It's just mm. very normal Aussie-ness. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the chemistry. Chemistry was massive. Chemistry was huge. Do you have an MVP? Uh, I think Rose Byrne. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I had Heath. It yeah. was a, It was – a tough one. Yeah. They're both of them, though, they had the same thing where there's just any time the camera was on them, you're like, I'm, I'm in. Sparkle. Sparkle. Yes. My low-key VP, I had to Google it, but uh, Susie Porter. Oh, Susie Porter. That's my low-key. She was yeah. good. She's uh, just like perfect. Authentic. Perfect, yeah. Well, we didn't – I know we didn't talk about it, so we'll just quickly touch on, sure, he's a good mate. It's <laughs> the best line in the whole movie. <laughs> it's like, we gotta give you a shotgun. Oh, you give you a shotgun. Goes, you're gonna give me a shotgun. Yeah, you got a problem with shotguns? No, no, no. It's good. He goes, yeah, sure. He's a good man. <laughs> the other one was, um, oh fuck, what was no? What were you saying? That just made me think of it. I don't know. Oh, apparently, apparently, according to IMDb trivia, I did not observe this. So full credit to someone who may or may not have made this up. All the good guys drive Holdens and the bad guys drive. I didn't Holdens. notice that. That's great. <laughs> so Ford Holden rivalry is massive in Australia. Holden's an Australian brand, which in the last couple of months no longer exists. No longer so exists. I guess Ford won that one. The bad guy is win again. Yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> They won the battle, they won the war. What are we doing next week? Uh, is it Long Came Mary? It might be. You're getting mixed up with the Long Came Polly. I am. Um, I think it's something about Mary. Beautiful. Something about Mary. One of those movies I thought was later. Yeah. Um, if you're not already, you can follow us on Instagram, Double Impact. Podcast at Double Impact Podcast. Also on Facebook with a similar name with those words, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And also the Gmail. Um, so hit us up. And if you can, leave us a review, please. It helps us. It's a positive review. A positive review, yeah, yeah. If you don't like us, don't leave a review. Maybe That's if you don't helpful. like us, just don't shout, listen. shout at a cloud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get yeah. it off your chest. Yeah. But just less elsewhere. Yeah. Not anywhere that ruins our algorithm. We need mm, this we algorithm in your reviews. Numbers. Help. So thank you for those that have, those that haven't. Please get in there and just give a little, hey, how you going? And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining our Aussiest episode yet. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. (laughs) Uh, Hooray. (laughs) Hooray. Bye.